2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 681. And happy Father's Day to all the dads in our Talking Birds audience. Well, here's that sound again. Spinning blades that split the air and split conservationists from other conservationists. It's a wind turbine, and it causes those splits among otherwise like-minded people because of the levels of bird mortality associated with those spinning blades. They look like they're moving slowly, but they can actually reach 200 miles an hour at the tips. Lots of folks are trying to repair this split by coming up with ways that wind turbines can continue to produce clean energy without killing birds. And here's the latest new idea we've heard about. Professor Roberto Albertani and his team of researchers at Oregon State University have mounted special cameras on wind turbines which send images to a computer where an algorithm creates a detection system for birds and then triggers a mechanism to frighten them away. What kind of mechanism? Well, Professor Albertani points out that eagles have an aversion to human figures. But since putting actual humans on the wind turbines was not uh, considered to be the ideal solution. They turned instead to those giant inflatable fabric things called tube men, or air dancers. Yeah, exactly, Tim. Those crazy waving figures that flail about from the air blowing through them, enticing us to pull into roadside stores that we might otherwise have passed by. Many of us have long since tired of those often grimy-looking tubes cluttering up the roadside, and we pay them little attention, but these Oregon state researchers think they're pretty cool. Not for luring passing motorists into donut shops or furniture stores, but instead to scare golden and bald eagles away from the thousand-plus huge wind turbines there in the state of Oregon. Interesting to see how it works. Well, how's this for a headline? It's from the website cleantechnica.com. The headline says, Pope Francis... Bill McKibben and the Poor People's Campaign address climate change. Writing in the newspaper The Guardian, climate activist Bill McKibben suggests the world may miss its last realistic opportunity to deal with climate change because of the delays caused by what he describes as President Donald Trump's implacable opposition to any and all efforts to keep average global temperatures from soaring ever higher. A quote from Bill McKibben The constant sense of crisis that the president creates robs us of the concentration we need to focus on long-term issues like climate change. Reverend William Barber of North Carolina, one of the leaders of the National Poor People's Campaign, an amalgam of black Christian conservatives, says when there's pollution, a community will get a cold, but poor people will get pneumonia. The love of money is the root of all evil, he says, and the root of all environmental devastation. It's a dangerous self-destruction. Barbara and the other leaders of the campaign are demanding that the U.S. shift its focus to 100% renewable energy, reduce oil and gas drilling, and provide clean drinking water to all Americans. At the Vatican last week, Pope Francis confronted the climate change issue... Cautioning fossil fuel company executives that exploiting the earth for profit without taking the needs of people into account, saying the world needs an energy mix that combats pollution, eliminates poverty, and promotes social justice. But he said, quote, that energy should also be clean by a reduction in the systematic use of fossil fuels. Speaking of people addressing climate change, congratulations to the Boston branch of the Sierra Club We're staging a very impressive climate change rally last week at the central branch of the Boston Public Library and in front of the nearby Marriott Hotel where the U.S. Conference of Mayors meeting was taking place. Hoping the mayors took note and will take some action and join the fight against climate change. Well, here's a Bird-Human Connection potential good news story. A new study from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center Suggests that the song of birds may provide insight into how humans learn to speak. The research is said to show that a bird's song can be altered right down to the individual syllable by activating and deactivating a neural pathway that helps the brain figure out whether a vocalization is being performed correctly. The center's Dr. Ty- uh, Todd Roberts said that he expects this pathway plays a similar role in how people learn and adjust their speech. Why might this be a big deal? Well, by mapping the neural processes involved as birds learn mating songs, scientists hope to someday use that knowledge to target specific genes disrupting, disrupting speech in humans with autism or other neurodevelopmental conditions. We'll stay tuned for updates. The system is currently in its final testing phase. See our Facebook page for a link to the full story. Conservation Salute of the Week goes to New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy for signing legislation that aims to bolster the state's zero-emission energy generation portfolio, including nuclear, solar, wind, and storage, citing climate change at the top of the new bill as the imperative behind the action. The new legislation is not without controversy since it allows for subsidies for the state's existing nuclear-generating plants even as it raises its renewable generation targets, incentivizes energy storage and offshore wind, and overhauls its solar program. But the governor of New Jersey appears to be intent on making the state's near-term and long-term energy mix a whole lot cleaner. That is the sound. Of our mystery bird. This is not the mystery bird contest. It might sound like it, but it isn't. It's just a preview of our mystery bird contest coming a little bit later. We'll invite you to call in in a little bit, but we're going to give you a little preview here. That's the sound of the bird. A description? Well, it's a small, nondescript inhabitant of dense thickets. And it's difficult to distinguish from a relative whose first name is Willow, except through its voice... It has a dull olive back with a grayish chest and two whitish wing bars. Our bird feeds on insects caught in the air or gleaned from foliage of trees and shrubs. That would be our mystery bird and a little preview of our mystery bird contest uh, coming along just a little bit later on in this morning's show. One of our favorite things to do here is to say thank you. And we want to say thank you to new Talking Birds ambassadors, including... Paul G. from Ephraim, Utah. We looked it up, and we think we're pretty close to the pronunciation there. I hope so. Paul says, I teach at Snow College in Ephraim, Utah. During the academic year, I teach a community education class on the birds of San Pete County. I also teach a bird biology class in the spring. I'd like to inform all of my students about talking birds. I see your program is a great way for my students to keep learning about birds, long after they complete my class. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, Sarah Corpella from Marmara, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, we looked up Marmara also, so I think we're pretty close on that one. Thank you, Sarah, for your kind comments about the show. Thanks to you and your family for listening. And thanks for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thanks to our newest ambassador who signed up, I believe it was last night. And that is Johnny from Newark, Delaware, these pronunciations, you've got to be looking up stuff here, because it's not pronounced like Newark, New Jersey, they tell me. It's Newark, Delaware. Johnny said he was amazed we didn't have any ambassadors from Delaware. We actually did uh, sign up one last week, Mr. Fran Coolis. But uh, thank you so much, Johnny, for representing New Ark, Delaware. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become ambassadors if you can. It's easy to do click the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk to a friend of the show and Talking Birds ambassador, Seth Davis, about something good being done for birds up in Biddeford, Maine. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor and Cape Cod in our Let's Ask Mike segment to hear Mike brag about the bird that's nesting in his backyard. And up next, a bird with what sounds like kind of an oxymoronic name, is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Is it possible for a bird whose head, throat, and chest are bright yellow to be a blackbird? Well, it is if you're Xanthocephalus. Xanthocephalus. That translates to yellow head. Yellow head. Yes, it's the yellow-headed blackbird, found in western and prairie wetlands, nesting in reeds right over the water. In winter, huge flocks of yellow-headed blackbirds roll across farm fields, gleaning seeds from the ground and leapfrogging over one another to regain the front rank in a marching herd of birds. Yellow-headed blackbirds often nest in the same marsh as red-winged blackbirds, which the yellowheads dominate and displace from prime nesting spots. And it kind of sounds like the yellowhead might be the dominant of the two species. Here's the familiar red-winged blackbird. And here's the more intense, slightly maniacal sound of the yellow-headed blackbird. Sounds like vocal dominance on display. The male yellow-headed blackbird defends a small territory of prime nesting reeds. He may attract up to eight females to nest within his area. The male helps feed nestlings, but usually just in the first nest established in his territory. The other females have to tend to their young all by themselves and keep a close watch, since with those nests always being built over the water, nestlings sometimes fall into the water and have to swim short distances to return to the relative safety of the reeds. The first detailed description of the yellow-headed blackbird was given in 1825 by Charles Lucien Bonaparte, nephew of Napoleon Bonaparte, who may have referred to the bird by its French name, Carouge a tête jaune. We know it as the yellow-headed blackbird, and as today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us on our show number 681. Please do visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well a new building at the University of New England, Bitterford Main campus, features something very bird friendly. It's pretty exciting and to tell us about it is Seth Davis. He's a friend of the show. He's a talking birds ambassador and he's also a postdoctoral researcher at the University of New England in Bitterford. And he joins us on the phone right now. Good morning, Seth. Good morning, Ray. Great to have you with us, Seth. Thank you so much. And tell us about what they have done there at uh, in Biddeford, University of New England campus. There,
3: yeah. So there was a new building that just opened up to the public this last academic semester, mm-hmm. um, and, and the, you know, the university really touted all these green and wonderful features um, that, that the building has. Um, however, people noticed uh, when the building was you know, under plans and showing for construction that they were going to have this giant glass facade mm-hmm. that uh, overlooks the Saco River. And, and the Saco River um, is actually a major uh, flyway for migrating birds. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, strong potential for the building to actually be kind of the, this death trap for all the birds that are flying through. Right. Um, so amazingly, a lot of the students um, put forth a big effort um, and some staff and some other groups like York County Audubon um, to actually petition the university to install uh, Ornolux, uh, which is a bird-friendly glass. Um, and it's actually a really impressive glass. And it kind of has a web pattern if you get real close to it. And what it does is it actually uh, emits ultraviolet light, which birds can see in the ultraviolet light spectrum, whereas people cannot. Um, so it's going to greatly reduce the, the risk for mortality uh, through window strikes.
2: And I think if I'm right, the, we can see those... those um little spider webs up close but birds can see them from a distance, right?
3: Correct. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like within a foot or so and you kind of see these small little dark bands which are impregnated in the glass. Uh, um, so, yeah, and it is a monumental effort. Uh, the university agreed after the petition w- was uh, submitted to them that uh, they would uh, um, add an extra two hundred or $250,000 just to get this specific bird-friendly glass.
2: That is quite a commitment. I know you were involved in this, too, through uh, York County Audubon, but these students have uh, done something pretty amazing, haven't they?
3: They have, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, again, largely a student-driven effort, um, which is a good thing for the students at
2: the University of New England, for sure. And this is now, beautiful to see, spreading to other colleges. Um, I just saw a a list here, this um, Portland Press-Herald story. Vassar College, University of Utah, Columbia University, and I'm happy to say University of Massachusetts are all adding bird-friendly glass. This is a first,
3: though, in Maine, right? Yeah, well... To our knowledge, it's the first. Yeah, um, Nobody's come up and said otherwise that okay. they installed bird-friendly glass in their buildings. But yeah, it's it very possibly be the first instance in Maine, which would also be good for non-academic sources as well. So um, mm-hmm. other building codes may you know, see the popularity that this glass has done for the university and adopt it themselves.
2: Right, so university's really leading the way on this. Yeah, that's yeah, great. What about some of the other green features, uh, Seth? Give, give us a quick rundown because, as you said, that started before they decided to do the bird-friendly glass.
3: Yeah, yeah. So so um, the Ripage Commons, that's the name of the building, uh, they, they really dedicated a lot of other great features. So they installed uh, solar panels, which are actually going to charge uh, electric car stations. Uh, mm-hmm. They put in an extremely efficient uh, heating cooling system. Uh, they have a, a, a way... Wind- to reduce the amount of wastewater when, when uh, producing, you know, dishwashing and that sort of thing. And probably my favorite is that they have this Mongolian grill. It's actually a very fantastic food. Um, <laughs> but they installed sensors above the grill uh, to monitor the surface temperature um, so that it can actually automatically shut off the fuel source so you save a lot of energy rather than just burning propane or whatever they use uh, 24-7. Mm-hmm.
2: Very cool. Well, Seth Davis is a friend of the show, as we said, Talking Birds ambassador and postdoctoral researcher at the University of New England. Biddeford, Seth, thank you so much for being with us. We'll put a connection to that uh, Press Herald story, too, online, so folks can find out more about that. So thank you, and keep up your good work. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. Coming up here next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute.
1: talking birds we're for the birds and we want to say thanks to another talking birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation my name
0: is brian and i live outside of albany new york i became an ambassador because birds are vital to us whether people know it or not and it's important that we do what we can to get the word out there about the importance of not only birds but nature in general
1: Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talkin' Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, talkin'birds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at talkin'birds.com. And thanks.
2: And that is the sound. Not that, but this other thing here. And not the frog. But what you hear in the foreground, there would be our mystery bird. This is our mystery bird contest. 781-837-4900 is the number. We want to get that number to you because that's kind of the important part. And We urge you to call in as soon as possible on our contest. 781-837-4900. Our bird is a small, nondescript inhabitant of dense thickets. Difficult to distinguish from a relative whose first name is Willow, except through its voice. It has a dull olive back with a grayish chest. In two whitish wing bars, our bird feeds on insects caught in the air or gleaned from foliage of trees and shrubs. Our prize this morning is the Droll Yankees Window Mount Songbird Feeder. Droll Yankees feeders are cool, but this one is kind of especially cool. It attaches right to your window for a clear view of the birds. It holds two cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. And our bonus prize is a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. So that would be the clues there and the prizes, and there's the sound again of our mystery bird and the frog. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781 837 Meanwhile, we're going to find out what is nesting in Mike O'Connor's Cape Cod backyard Coming up next, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. The Guide to Walden Pond is the first guidebook to Henry David Thoreau's most defining place, visited by half a million people each year. Many more know it as the fountainhead of America's environmental consciousness. Using this guide, both armchair readers and trail walkers can join thorough devotee Robert Thorson on an amble around the pond's shoreline, stopping at 15 special places to explore people, events, and the natural world. Abundantly illustrated with photographs, drawings, and maps, this guide is a must-have for a meaningful, engaging tour of Walden Pond as well as a souvenir of a visit. The Guide to Walden Pond is available wherever books are sold. Well, when we called Mike O'Connor this morning, we were surprised to discover that he was watching TV. Surprised because, as far as I know, the Flintstone reruns are not still airing on Sunday mornings. But then we find out he's watching something else on TV, and we might find out if Mike is actually there. Are you there, Mike? (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I have all the Flintstones recorded, so I don't have to wait for them to air.
2: Oh, DVD or Blu-ray? <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, Blu-ray, you <laughs> kidding me? Oh, gosh,
2: that's what hey, heard.
0: happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, by the way.
2: Happy Father's Day to you, Mike. And back in your yard there, you have a father of a certain bird species flying around there, not helping much, as I understand. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
0: right. I've got a... Um, a couple of years ago, I, I, I put a camera, and they sell these little Hawkeye cameras that you can put into birdhouses, and then you can watch them on your computer or your TV screen if yep. they have the right output jacks. And I can hear it now. Yep. And I had chickadees for a number of years, so I thought I'd get creative and try something new, and I put it in a great crested flycatcher's box. Well, you know that didn't work because I went a couple of years with n- nobody living in the box apparently they didn't want to sign the model release so I couldn't work a contract <laughs> with their agent it's complicated but, but this year I um after a, a number of weeks I all of a sudden got uh flycatchers building a nest and the female has been building the nest uh for the last 2 weeks and she's unbelievably entertaining she at the beginning she brought straw and grasses and then she finishes it off with like fine feathers and fine grasses and even bits of animal fur and then right at the very end and she had so much, it was so fun she brought, sometimes she bring so much nesting material, she couldn't find the hole, she'd like hit the <laughs> wrong side of the box and bounce out and, just, and the whole time, the old man thinking of Father's Day, he's just like standing around going, you know,
2: whatever yeah,
0: yeah whatever, no, that's the way she is but he he has nothing to do with anything except keeping an eye on things because he, did, he didn't, and then and then she finished it off with some some cellophane, some just garbage cellophane she found somewhere. And, you know, there's a lot of debate on that because a lot of the fly kitchen nests have snake skin. And I'm so glad she didn't find any snake skin in my yard. But she did find some cellophane. And they wonder what that's for. Some think it's just because they like the, the shininess of it. Other people claim it has to do with keeping uh, predators away, namely flying squirrels. So there's a lot of debate on that. But clearly she did that and and then this morning i got up and um and here's what happens, which is interesting if you don't um you know if you can't really see what's in the box a lot of people say, the birds built a nest, and then they left. Well, they, after the nest is built, they, these birds left for about a week, nothing. And you think, well, they abandoned it. But that's kind of usually what they do. And then she comes in and starts to lay the eggs. And this morning, she was, I hadn't seen her for a week, and then this morning she was in the box, and then she left, and there were two eggs and she took off and the old man the old man meanwhile is just like so done with her he was in the he was taking a bath he was in the in the bird bath <laughs> so she got two eggs and probably I'll keep you guys posted on this update but this camera is fun and, and it's 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 keeping me off the streets is what it's doing
2: good well that, just as long as it's doing that you're ahead of the game right there I'll, I'll keep you posted on what's going on all right mike talk to you next week Okay. Mike O'Connor there at Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, and great-crested flycatcher nesting in his backyard bird box, and he's got the video camera proving it there. Want tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that is yours to download free. The 16-page guide includes field-tested answers to the most common questions about the birds in your backyard. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your free copy. Back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. This is our mystery bird, a small, nondescript inhabitant of dense thickets. This is a big clue that we gave here. A difficult to distinguish from a relative whose first name is Willow, except through its voice. It has a dull olive back, grayish chest, two whitish wing bars, feeds on insects caught in the air or gleaned from foliage. What is our mystery bird? 781 837 is the number, and and is with us from Columbia, South Carolina. Good morning, Ann.
1: Hi, Ray. How Hi. are you?
2: Uh, we're well, thanks. How's, I bet you it's no uh, warmer in South Carolina than it is up here in the Boston area, at least.
1: Uh, in, we, I, th- I think I disagree with that. Re- okay. <laughs> it's super hot here today. How hot
2: is it down there?
1: Um, I, it, it feels like close to 90. It, it's, yeah. it's really humid, too.
2: Yeah. Believe so, it or not, so they, say, they it. say it may hit 100 degrees in Boston.
1: Tomorrow. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we're not wow. exactly
2: used to that. Yeah. So, Anne, what do you think? Mystery bird? Okay, I think Eastern Phoebe. Eastern Phoebe, Tim. Tim says... Oh, oh. That Tim, he's a Shoot. mean guy. He, he yeah. seems like a nice guy, but he's pretty he's kind of
3: mean. Oh, well. Hey, I'm just yeah, doing my job you. here.
2: Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I was way out of line on that. Ann, thank you so much for All calling. Right. Check with us again. All
1: right.
2: Thanks, Ray. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. And we have Nancy in Peabody. Massachusetts hey, good up morning. on the North Shore. Good morning to you, Nancy. Yeah,
1: uh, good morning. It's beautiful out here.
2: It is. Are you ready for some pretty hot weather tomorrow, though? Oh, yeah.
3: pool's open. We're ready.
2: Oh, okay, good. If you win, we'll get your address and then we'll know where your pool is. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that sounds good. It's big.
2: <laughs> How about the mystery bird, Nancy? I, I'm going to guess a warbler. A warbler of some sort, Tim? No. Oh. I don't like Tim anymore either. No, we don't like Tim anymore. (laughs) Thank you, Nancy. Oh,
1: thanks.
2: Thanks. All right, enjoy that pool. All right, Nancy up there in Peabody, Mass by the pool. Okay, we still haven't uh, identified our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Here's the sound of that uh, bird again. Uh, Not a Phoebe, but, you know, it's kind of close, right? 781-837-4900 and Mary is in a place that is very, very famous in the birding world and that is Manomet, Massachusetts that's part of the town of uh, Plymouth home to Manomet formerly the Manomet uh, Conservation Sciences Organization I don't think I have that name quite right but I do have Mary Good morning, Mary
1: Good morning, how are
2: you? Well, thank you How are you? Good, thank you What do you say, Mary, on our mystery bird?
3: I think it might
2: be an alder flycatcher. An alder flycatcher, Tim. Tim is not pushing any of those bad buzzers or anything, so it must be right. <laughs> alder flycatcher. Nice job on that, Mary. Thank you. You're welcome. Stay on the line, if you would, and we will um, make arrangements to send you those really nice prizes. Have a
3: nice Father's
2: Day. Thank you so much, Mary. Mary in Manomet, Massachusetts, identifying the alder flycatcher. This is such an interesting thing about flycatchers whose songs are considered to be innate and not learned as they are with most songbirds. But more on that later. Tim is giving us a signal here that we are out of time for our show. Thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The
1: show. I like that. I